This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly from Retail Insider. This is Lee Rivett, and I'm joined with Craig Patterson, the editor-in-chief of Retail Insider. But we are also joined with another guest, Jessica Finch, who's one of the authors of one of the articles that we're going to be talking about today. Thanks for joining me both. Hello, everyone. Excellent. Uh, We are recording on October the 10th, 2019, and we wanted to highlight one of our sponsors, Prisma Construction, for this podcast, and we'll have a short message from them later on in the podcast. But uh, we have some breaking news coming out of Edmonton, um, specifically for West Ed. But Craig, tell us about that, because it's an exclusive to Retail Insider. Yeah, this got me really excited. We got an exclusive to report on this. Of course, everyone else can report on it, too. Um, this is interesting. I mean, so it's a automotive center in a shopping center. That may not sound as exciting as it is, but... This thing is absolutely gigantic. Uh, it's almost 320,000 square feet. It's taking up a chunk of phase one in West Edmonton Mall. So here's what's going to happen. Um, they're going to have a 117,000 square foot Mayfield Toyota dealership experience. Now, uh, Mayfield Toyota, as has just been announced basically by us, um, is going to be relocating from its current location. It's about 1.6 kilometers north to this uh, to West Edmonton Mall. Um, they're going to have 65 mm. servicing bays, but uh, it gets a little more interesting than that. There's going to be a 200,000 square foot service center that's going to have full detailing packages, express oil changes, complete mechanical services, over-the-counter part purchases, tire sales and swaps and storage, windshields and other services. Um, I don't own a car, so this is all foreign to me. Um, the part that I thought was really interesting as well is they're going to be offering valet parking throughout the shopping center. So if anyone's ever tried to park at West Edmonton Mall, Lee, have you attempted this? I've lost many hours of my life parking at West Ed, yes. They're going to have valet parking for the first time. So um, what I thought was really interesting about this is, you know, having this valet parking is actually going to uh, have, you know, people who are either time starved uh, or, you know, the affluent uh, actually coming to West Edmonton Mall and shopping. And, you know, Louis Vuitton recently opened Mm -hmm. a store at West Edmonton Mall a few months ago. It was in June. Um, You know, uh, Canada Goose also just opened a store there. It's got some pretty expensive stuff. And, you know, Tiffany and company, a few others were already there. So uh, I won't see any names of tenants, but they are in talks. I believe they've signed a lease with one major luxury brand that we just didn't mention here and there'll be more coming as well. So uh, I think this is really quite innovative because, you know, this uh, automotive experience center is unlike anything that I've ever seen in a shopping center anywhere. And uh, it's uh, there's actually going to be more to it that I wasn't allowed to say, but it's uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. And I think that people will be shocked if uh, the thing that I'm not allowed to say actually happens. So uh, stay tuned. This is uh, exciting news. And uh, congratulations, West Edmonton Mall, because uh, you are innovating like crazy and uh, becoming a really interesting center that will be, you know, a world leader in uh, many respects. Well, and I know that that we've had several other articles in Retail Insider about dealerships in malls. So I was just wondering what's specifically special about this announcement? Um, It does sound like there's a lot of volume of space that they're going to be using more than what would be normal. But is it more the, the valet option? Is it the servicing options that are there? Is it the fact that it's just attached to that mall? Like what makes this announcement and this situation special? Yeah, I mean, it's the sheer size and magnitude. So, you know, Tesla has a few dealerships. We've got Porsche, you know, it's got a couple of dealerships and uh, Mercedes has these little Mercedes me is what they're called, uh, retail spaces. And uh, I've toured all of them. They've been quite interesting, but these are actually quite small. I mean, they're you know, typical size, small retail spaces, uh, you know, in line within a shopping center. Uh, this uh, West Edmonton Mall initiative is, you know, maybe some of these dealerships are 3,500 square feet. Well, this is like, you know, 
320,000 square feet. This is absolutely yeah. gigantic. It's occupying an entire wing of the shopping center. And again, with the whole valet parking thing, I mean, other shopping centers do have a valet parking, but um, this, I think, would be the first in Alberta. I'm just trying to think if there's anything in Calgary. Um, excluding you know, Holt Renfrew in Calgary. But yeah, no, I mean, this is something that's fairly new to Western Canada. So this, uh, you know, experience center that they're creating is going to be incredible. And they're predicting absolutely astronomical sales numbers. And that's something I'm not allowed to say. But I was at the ICSC conference, as we talked about before. And, you know, we did discuss this. So I was, you know, quite well prepared for this. But then we subsequently received information, you know, from Mayfield Toyota mm -hmm. and David Grimesian as well. Well, 65 bays just on itself sounds massive. And the square footage that you're mentioning right there does sound like out there, like astronomical. So it should be interesting for that mall and making it a unique thing. And I think this is going to spearhead development in the rest of the shopping center too. So I think that, uh, you know, West Edmonton Mall, I don't want to say it's stagnated, but it, you know, has maintained its presence for a while. I shouldn't say that. It's had all kinds of expansions. I mean, they added a new casino, the rec room, you know, there's been construction. But yeah. um, this, I think, is really going to start spearheading more stuff happening in the shopping center. So it's pretty exciting. And uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of malls and this got me really interested when I heard about this particular uh, initiative. Yeah. Well, congratulations to West Ed, but also congratulations, Craig, for getting the exclusive before everybody else. That's great news for Retail Insider. <laughs> And now a quick message from our episode sponsor, Prisma Construction. They're a leading retail construction specialist doing development, rollouts management, project management plus coordination and follow-up. Retail Insider recently featured Prisma in an article discussing the company's expansion internationally, including its first project in China. Visit them at prismaconstruction.com. And then moving on to the next article that we wanted to talk about, and the reason why Jessica is here, because she wrote the article, but uh, Craig and Jessica went to the New Majesty's Pleasure location in Yorkville in Toronto and had a really awesome experience there, which I'm totally jealous over. So wanted uh, Craig and uh, Jessica tell us about it and a little bit about the article. You bet. Jessica and I got manicures. Jessica, what did you think of it? I thought it was wonderful. I loved the space. It was really beautiful. We were there when it was it was quiet, wasn't it, Craig? Which was nice, so we we could really poke around and have a good luck. No, you. sorry. No, I was just gonna say I think we were there for a media preview, um, but I think there were actually consumers there as well. Yeah, um, I'm actually not sure to be honest. I think there were. I think you're right. I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I we we had manicures. We didn't try out the the blow dry bar. But that looked like... And I was I was looking through the article, and of course, I'm super jealous being in Vancouver. I wasn't able to join you guys there. But, and of course, I have no hair. So blow drying my hair is not necessarily going to be amazing. But <laughs> it was interesting to see how it was parked between the Stone Island and the Chanel place. So it must be a very interesting demographic of people that you're able to see while you're getting your, your nails done. Absolutely. I mean, this is becoming a, you know, de facto luxury zone in Toronto. So um, Stone Island, which opens, I think, first week of November, if that's still planned, uh, you know, is this interesting, uh, you know, fashion brand. Uh, Chanel is the iconic women's uh, fashion brand, very expensive. And there are other stores. So this is in the 102 to 108 Yorkville Avenue building, I guess is what you would call it. Uh, Versace and Brunello Cuccinelli have already opened there. And uh, downstairs, they're going to be opening a really expensive sushi restaurant called Hana, and it's Omakase 
freestyle or and honestly i don't understand all of that stuff but uh it's probably really good and i hope we get a free meal because the prices that were quoted were astronomical wow <laughs> yeah well and it's interesting because it was also mentioning it was a nail blow dry meats kind of cocktail bar so like did you guys get any kind of uh weird mixture feeling from it that like were you know how sometimes if you're trying to fuse two things together sometimes it goes really well and sometimes it's kind of awkward they they kind of pitched that to me as an idea for maybe a bridal party or uh, I was going to say a baby shower, but you're probably not having cocktails then. Even though um, Craig and I had green juices, they also offered that and snacks and things like that. So I think I think it works well if you're having your birthday party or a bridal shower or something and it's a group and you're there for a few hours. I'm not sure how many people want to go for you know, monthly manicures and have cocktails as well. I don't know if that's something people fit into their schedule or. I would totally or, fit it into my schedule to do that. If I was, I was in your shoes, I would say. totally do it. You would make it fit. I would, I would no, bear that cross. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it did look like there wasn't like an exclusive VIP locker room and a terrace and stuff like that. Like, did you guys get a tour of any of that type of stuff? We did. We saw the terrace, right, Craig? Yeah, that's right. I didn't get, we didn't see the VIP locker room. Maybe assuming it was open but yeah no the terrace was really neat i mean it's south facing you it overlooks yorkville avenue and i i mean i think that this concept i mean it's not you know i think super expensive um but at the same time the location is catering to uh, a fairly wealthy demographic you know given what's on the street in terms of retail and restaurants i mean you know this is not a place for poor people and i'm talking about yorkville avenue specifically so um you know the demographic i think is going to be primarily female i mean they have dropped uh, her from the name it was called her majesty's pleasure and now this is just called majesty's pleasure but uh, you know it would probably be you know a more affluent demographic primarily female again some men can go that's that's not an issue of course um you know just given what's what yorkville is becoming in terms of becoming you know a, a luxury node I, I think that this is certainly a place that uh, you know people might go whether or not one individual person or groups and uh, you know have an experience so get whatever you know aesthetics done your, your nails done you can uh, they do some sort of foot related uh, <laughs> um, aesthetics <laughs> pedicures okay yeah and i don't even know if they do other things but you can have a glass of champagne while you're doing it I can't believe you didn't know what a pedicure was. Like, <laughs> Jessica, you and I should go. Like, It's like wasted on Craig. We'll both do like pedicures and manicures. <laughs> like, stay away from my feet. <laughs> but I mean, they've had the, um, the location on King for a few years now, and that, that obviously was successful enough for them to open a second, which yeah. says a lot, doesn't it? Well, and it also looked like about a third of the article was talking about uh, collaboration with Toronto Fashion Week. Um, and I think that was a window wars that was going on there, but, um, it just seems to be a very interesting area. Um, like, of course I've walked through there. The demographic is very upscale. So it just seems like a very happening place going on along there. And it sounds like it's going to be nestled in there right at home for a lot of the folks that are coming out, um, and even just passing through. Yeah. Actually, Jessica, Jessica and I attended, um, a little bit of fashion week. We went to a talk by Ron White, uh, the shuru of Canada, as they say, he has his own uh, mm -hmm. footwear line, and it was really interesting and really educational, you know. And then Toronto Fashion Week had a whole bunch of uh, various runway shows. I actually had to fly off to, um, I think it was Alberta, so I was not able to see most of them. And plus, I was like 
busy getting ready for that and a bunch of other chaotic stuff was happening at the same time but uh you know it's interesting and what's also interesting is the landlord for that building that uh, majesty's pleasure is in is also part owner of toronto fashion week so they are trying to bring this into the yorkville neighborhood and trying to revive things because you know um toronto film international film festival used to primarily take place in bloor yorkville and then they built that bell light box i think is what you call it down on king street so a lot of the action went down into downtown core so i think that they're really trying to pull events back into bloor yorkville because you know the neighborhood you know to be honest was starting to i don't want to say lose its luster but it was losing some of its popularity so i think it's really starting to come back with all of the other stuff that's happening and Italy will be opening in less than a month so uh, all of this stuff is uh, really great excellent well and besides that popular article we had a brief, which we hadn't had for like a week or so, and that was very well read as well. So we wanted to touch base upon some of the articles that were in the the brief. Um, so Craig, I think the first one, which is typically the most popular, was kind of reported by Halifax Retails. But uh, it looked like that Canadian Tire was shuttering one of the chains of stores that it kind of had along for its ride. But do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, the company that had the Paderno Kitchen Stores uh, right. in Canada, Canadian Tire acquired them. They didn't acquire the entire Paderno chain. They just you know acquired the Canadian division. And uh, so they're closing those stores imminently within, I think, a few weeks or so. And uh, they're just going to clear them out. And it's going to become an in-house brand with Canadian Tire. So... Uh, this is pretty smart because, you know, Canadian Tire is competing against all kinds of other brands and uh, or I should say retailers. And, uh, uh, you know, having these in-house brands is really going to have people come to Canadian Tire to shop and not to say, you know, a Walmart or a Loblaw or, you know, God only knows what other categories, you know, they're competing with. Because Canadian Tire has, you know, all kinds of different uh, categories. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of good on, I think, Canadian Tire and other retailers to, you know, either try to secure exclusives in terms of other brands or to create their own in-house brands. And, you know, Canadian Tire does really well with both. Well, I think this is also popular because everyone is loving a sale and I'm assuming that the liquidations are going to be starting if they haven't already. So, <laughs> but another one of the articles that was coming through that I thought was awesome was uh, like, I love Ogilvy. I have not been to Montreal, which shame on me, but the whole um, Holt Renfrew Ogilvy is unveiling a couple new shops there. Can you tell us through that, um, that announcement as well? Yes, I'm going to be heading back to Montreal just to see this and oh, all the other wonderful people there and everybody else that I visit. Yeah. Um, it's not too far from Toronto, actually. I shouldn't say that. I mean, it's a five-hour train ride, but it's comfortable. I, I hate planes, but have to take them. But uh, I love taking the train when I can. This is not an ad for Via Rail. But uh, so yeah. basically, um, most recently, you know, uh, Prada opened uh, two shops in Holt Run for Ogilvy, mm-hmm. uh, as did Tom Ford. So uh, you know, basically what's happening is uh, they've taken this Ogilvy department store uh Selfridges Group now owns it. They also own Holt Renfrew. So they're kind of merging the stores together. They're going to be closing the Holt Renfrew store on Sherbrooke Street in the spring to create this 250,000 square foot, absolutely spectacular store called Holt Renfrew Ogilvy. It's it's open. It's just not finished renovations. So mm-hmm. um, the there's Prada has a uh, accessory and leather goods boutique on the ground floor. Um, I haven't seen it with my own eyes. I haven't been back since it opened a couple of weeks ago, but it looks jaw dropping from the pictures as, you know, just the Tiffany and the David Yerman and the Bottega Veneta shop that are on the ground floor already. A bunch of other snazzy boutiques will be opening. In mid-November, Chanel will be opening a big store on the ground floor as well. And uh, upstairs on the men's floor, two shops opened. Again, Prada. They opened a really cool-looking Prada shop for men uh, on the fourth floor, as well as Tom Ford, now the iconic uh, brand. He, uh, I think he got known by designing for Gucci at first, but, you know, kind of spun off on his own and 
has seen tremendous success. But that men's floor at Holt Renfrew Ogilvy, I mean, it's over the top. It's about 40,000 square feet, uh, which is gigantic <laughs> and has uh, 25 brand vendor shops, lots of sunlight because there's uh, windows that face the outdoors, uh, including some yeah, south-facing yeah. windows, which is going to give you more sunlight, uh, especially the way that you know, Montreal's on kind of an angle that gets great light through there. So um, I can't wait to go back and check out Holt Renfrew Ogilvy again. I think it's uh, going to be a real asset to Montreal. And I think that, uh, you know, people from Canada and around the world will come to Montreal to shop, or at least I hope that's the case, because uh, I would say that this is going to be the nicest looking luxury department store in terms of its architecture and has an incredible brand matrix. Uh, I would say the best in North America outside of New York City. So go Montreal and people go shop in that city because it needs it sometimes. <laughs> oh, well, the photos look stunning. So take a look at our brief if you haven't seen it yet, you guys, and take a look because we included some of the photos that also came from the social media from there is embedded in. The photos are stunning. Take a peek. You'll love it. You will drool. It's amazing. So, um, but some of the other articles in the brief, I think it was un, Untuck It was launching a Wayne Gretzky shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Untuck It launched a new Wayne Gretzky shirt. Uh, you know, interesting initiative. Wayne Gretzky is one of the investors in Untuck It, which is uh, kind of cool. I got to meet him last year when uh, Untuck It opened its first store in Canada. And then I went to the uh, 25 year anniversary of his restaurant downtown in Toronto, mm. which will be closing. Oh. Actually, they're going to demolish it for a oh. <laughs> for condominium building. Welcome to Toronto, right? Um, Untuck It in the course of about a year is opened five stores but the expansion really only uh, they opened the first one at CF Sherway Gardens top store in the world for uh, Untucket uh, that's in Toronto for those who don't know and then quickly opened four more stores and more are to come in and uh, brokerage Oberfeld Snowcap is actually spearheading that as the uh, real estate consultancy and uh, brokerage for Untucket so and uh, for those who don't know it's a brand where you can wear shirts that aren't meant to be untucked and I've got a couple of them and uh, they're actually really comfortable I like it excellent and beyond Untucket, uh, we also have an article on Spinco, which is uh, originated from, I think it's Kelowna in BC, and it's just kind of spread across into a variety of different cities. But um, Craig and I think Jessica, you're going to be going to check out one of the classes that's happening at the CN Tower. Do you want to kind of you know let us know what you're looking forward to? I'm mostly looking forward to going to a spin class at 7 a.m. in the morning on top of the CN Tower. No, that sounds <laughs> exciting. Yes. Um, I'm excited to go to the top of the CN Tower and spin. Craig, you're going to go to the Bloor Street one that's happening in the evening, right? To take a look. Yeah, yeah. In the evening, they're doing another spin class in the abandoned Bay subway station. So there's a Bay subway station, and then there's one below it that is not utilized. And they use it for TV, film, movies, whatever. You know, if they need something and they don't want an actual train that's going to kill somebody going through there or people using the station for that matter. So they're going to do a yeah, morning class, they're going to do it at the CN Tower, and then they're going to do an evening class at the uh, uh, abandoned Bay Station. And uh, it's interesting because Spinco, they were saying that they want to do like 50 locations in Canada eventually. So, you know, go Spinco, because I think that they said that they're already the largest in Canada with 12 locations. So it's kind of surprising. You'd think that somebody would have more than 12, but I guess not because Canada's smaller than we thought. And, oh, people are encouraged to sign up. Maybe we should put a link in the uh, podcast link so people can, because, you know, it's it's for charity. Of course. <laughs> but I think that was pretty much the main highlights of the brief. Um, but the other article that was one of the more read ones for this week as well, which Jessica wrote this week, is around Wuxley Movement. And I think it's a cruelty-free Canadian outerwear brand that opened up its first retail space in Toronto. So do you want to tell us a little bit about where it is and how you um, went through and wrote the article, Jessica? 
Yes, so it's located uh, down on Queen Street, Queen West, and um, they're a really awesome brand. I mean, they I think they're the only sustainable, cruelty-free Canadian outerwear brand, which seems surprising because of how awful our winters are, <laughs> um, that that hasn't been done more. Great brand. The clothes are lovely. The pop-up store... I'm not actually sure how long it's going to be at that location, but definitely for the foreseeable future for the season, I would imagine. And yeah, end of December, I asked James. We were messaging back and forth oh, yeah, on Twitter. Oh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> okay. One of the things that I predominantly notice is most of our articles talk about, like, uh, retail are opening up in a specific space by themselves. Um, like, for example, Bottega at, uh, at Yorktale. Um, this one here is a shared retail space. Is that kind of common, especially for, I don't know, Queen Street West? I'd say no. It's Craig here. Um, actually, and you know, I haven't been to the space. Jessica has. Jessica, how is it configured? Like, are they beside each other, same? Or, yeah, yeah. how do they mix those two brands with Vitali or Vitaly is what it's called, I think? Yes. They're on the, uh, the second floor. So they've got their own kind of entranceway with a sign, and then you go up the steps or the stairs. And they've got, I mean, it's not huge, but it's, a regular Queen Street West size property, you know, one floor. And um, they have it completely decked out like they've forever. It looks really great. So Wuxley's on the second floor? Wuxley's on the second yeah. floor, yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. Okay, I'll go check us out sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like a really busy part of the street. So like they really lucked out there. Well, even though they seem to share the space, it does seem like they have their own individual, like different floor. So it seems like a store in a store, um, even though, and it does make sense, especially okay. if you're kind of, um, this is your first retail space. So it sounds very exciting. Hmm. Um, yeah. One of the other questions that I had is around the whole cruelty-free retail movement. You know, there is certainly a segment of the population that uh, sees the, you know, killing of animals as, you know, Cruel, I guess yes. that's where cruelty free comes from. And, uh, you know, some consumers are seeking out, uh, you know, products that don't directly involve that. Though, granted, you know, you need a lot of oil to do certain things as well. And I don't know. But, uh, you know, we did recently a story on it was uh, Call It Spring, you know, the footwear line, uh, footwear brand that's owned by Aldo. And, you know, they went, I think, 100% vegan is what they were saying. And, uh, you know, now we've got brands saying that they're going carbon neutral. And, uh, you know, there, there's a real environmental movement out there. Um, I'm actually working with a company that we'll be talking about it more called Drink Fill, which is uh, vending machines that don't use single-use plastics. And, you know, there's a real eco movement out there. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be huge. And I have to apologize in advance because we will be running a story on a company that uses mink in their jackets and they're spectacular and I uh, will own one. But uh, sorry, everyone, I'll say that up front in advance. But, you know, uh, to, to argue on in favor of fur at the same time, you know, people do say that it's sustainable in terms of, you know, these are you know animals that are killed. That sounds terrible to saying stuff like that. But, um, you know, that they're not, uh, you know, I guess harming the environment insofar as, you know, having to create plastics and rubbers and I don't know what else they use cruelty free related stuff but you know I, I do think in the future as we have more technology there may not be the requirement to kill animals for stuff and uh, I, I've always caught myself thinking and wondering you know why are we wearing dead animals on our feet you know with leather shoes and stuff like that so uh, you know, and these are actually, I think, important questions to ask because, you know, I, I think quite often in society we're not, uh, you know, so inclined to ask certain questions. You know, we just kind of go with what we've been taught. And uh, I think that people are starting to think differently and are, uh, 
you know, actually looking at their choices and looking at where things are made and who made them and et cetera, et cetera. And that'll be a whole nother conversation because we're going to be doing some interesting stuff around, you yeah. know, the slow fashion movement, uh, I think next week in Retail Insider. Well, it doesn't seem like it's uh, a cheap process because, uh, you know, Wexley is partnering and using a company that uh, employs a clean water policy, which every ounce of water that leaves the facility is clean after being tested and treated for any water pollution. Like that wow. just doesn't necessarily come across as, you know, cheap. And the same thing is that the brand is manufactured when they're, uh, they reuse the heat from that's used in the dyeing process. Like uh, it just doesn't seem like it's, um, uh, sustainable seem like on the surface. But. Yeah. And I mean, the price point, I've heard some people complain that the prices, you know, on Twitter, uh, we posted an article about Wuxley movement, I think it was a couple of months ago. And, you know, some people, you know, in the Twitter comments were saying, oh my God, it's so expensive. We can't afford this. Why can't you make them cheaper? And like when you pointed out the whole water thing, I mean, that can't no, be cheap. Yeah. I have no idea how much it costs, but like, I guess, you know, if you're going to be eco-friendly, it's not going to be the cheapest thing. No. They're paying that for Canada Goose and Moose yep. and things like that. I mean, that's right. That anyway, so you know, you might as well support a brand that's Canadian and sustainable. Well, I know that the other two are they're both Canadian, are they? But yes, I mean, they're skin they're skinning animals alive, reportedly. Yeah, reportedly, I know. Yeah, and down. I don't know how down is acquired, but you know, there's feathers in those jackets too. Uh, yeah. Whatever birds are they use for those? Actually, I'm not, honestly not familiar with the process. Well, and one of the other good um, strategies that Wexley seems to be using, and sometimes even to combat some of that um, probably extra cost, is that they launched a trade up program, which they encourage patrons to bring in their current outerwear that contains those fur trimmings and down fillings to get a credit towards certain Wexley price uh, pieces which I have never seen before. Like I've heard of like Apple for their trade-in for getting a new iPhone and trading up and that type of thing. So this is the first time I've seen something like this in the retail, like clothing environment. So is this new or is this something that you've seen elsewhere that I'm just unaware of, Craig? I mean, it's happened before, but uh, this is certainly an assault on the competitors. And <laughs> I, uh, so Helen Seawalk, one of our uh, writers, uh, wrote about Wuxley Movement uh, when we sort of, you know, initially talked about the company and retail insider i actually got an angry email from someone i won't use the name of course and they said how much are they paying you to report this swear word i won't say it um you know basically this person was saying that you know and that you know he did bring up you know for sustainable you know how much does it hurt the environment to create these wuxley jackets well the whole water thing i think solves that but you know um we were actually accused of uh, you know being paid off or that this was in a non-declared advertorial because we were talking about it and it was not i mean we did, we're not paid we have we do not own wuxley jackets or at least we we're not provided them no, for I free uh, i don't own one but uh <laughs> exactly but uh yeah no i mean it's it's uh there was a little bit of a backlash because of that because you know i think there was some anger maybe it was danny reese in disguise who sent that email i have no idea he owns canada goose <laughs> well it's interesting that they're taking these trade-up jackets minus the fur trim and they're going and partnering with homeless shelters like the mustard seed and um, lookout society and a variety of other ones so like i don't know it just seems like it's a good movement from manufacturing and having jackets to also trading up and trying to make a world a better place with it too because they're going to be giving a, a credit towards their pieces and that doesn't come cheap and then they're going to give what you gave them as a trade-up to like to the you know the donation areas so you know good for wuxley 
Yeah, and if you think about it, um, you know, now the homeless population will be wearing Canada Goose and Moose knuckles. Not to say anything oh disparaging. Gosh. Not to say anything disparaging about the homeless, but you know, it, the <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a different demographic that they're both targeting. So yes, financially, someone who's homeless typically would not make that purchase at full price. So you know, it, it's certainly creating a diversity in the uh, consumer for Canada Goose and Moose knuckles and whatever other brands that they're offering this trade in for. Goodness, never even thought of that. <laughs> I, I did see, um, and it was very sad. I saw a man passed out last winter in the subway station at below where I live, which is actually the Bay Station, and uh, he was wearing a Canada Goose jacket, and I just thought, well you know he's wearing a jacket far more expensive than the one i was wearing i think mine was from zara or something like that so probably eco-friendly because there were you know no leather fur whatsoever so it may have been somebody just going home really late at night from a party and just had a little bit of a nap oh, oh no no i know him i see him all the time it's oh, never mind yeah. <laughs> well so other than uh, wexley um it, that was the articles that we wanted to highlight for this week's podcast so Thank you very much for you know making the time, Jessica, for um, attending your, your first podcast here. Um, but everyone, I just wanted to remind you to hit subscribe to um, be able to be notified whenever a new podcast comes out. Rate us five stars as well. But also we have a newsletter that's an email that goes out in the mornings that you can subscribe to at retail-insider.com and get all of the new articles that come out as they do, as well as a daily um, e-news roundup that we um, get from um, all the different news retail sources so please do um, take a look and sign up there if you'd like. But thank you, Craig, again, um, for joining us in Jessica, too. Hey, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Jessica, for being on the program as well. Thank you, guys.